Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. What are energetic contracts? Can they be broken? Should they be broken? My guest today believes that an energetic contract is a belief that's created out of trauma, and it drastically changes how we look at the world and what we believe we can accomplish. Mary Mueller Shutan is here, and she's going to share how we can understand energetic contracts in order to experience more joy and freedom in our life. Are you ready to meet her? Mary Mueller Shutan is a spiritual healer and a teacher with an extensive background in Chinese medicine, craniosacral therapy, zero balancing, and energy work. She's the author of The Spiritual Awakening Guide, The Complete Cord Course, Managing Psychic Abilities, and her new book, The Body Deva, Working with the Spiritual Consciousness of the Body. You can find out more about Mary and her work at maryshutan.com. Mary, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Let's, why don't we just dive right in? What is an energetic contract? Well, you mentioned the, the basic definition, and what it is is that um, it's an agreement, and the difference between perhaps the contracts that we're used to, you know, that we've made with our landlords and that sort of stuff, um, versus an energetic contract is that they're typically subconscious. We're not typically totally aware of them, and they're an agreement that is formed um, out of trauma. And so when we have some sort of experience in our life that is traumatizing in a, in a small or a large way, what happens is that we create beliefs out of that. So trauma creates beliefs about ourself or about the nature of the world. And out of that, we form, um, out of that, we really form these contracts or ways of navigating the world, um, and they can be really detrimental. They could really kind of inhibit our experiences here. Do energetic contracts ever help us? Are there ever agreements that we make that move us along the path? You know, they can. So in the book I talked about, um, you know, if we have a really wonderful mother growing up, we might make a contract that says, oh, I want to be exactly like our mother. Um, like my mother, uh, or we can have what's known as a reactive contract in which we might not have the best experience growing up. And so we might say something like, I never want to be like my mother. And both of those can lead to specific patterns of relating and kind of push us forward in ways that may initially seem positive. So if our mother was you know, a drug addict, drug addict or something like that. We're like, we will never do drugs or never have children, you know, um, before we're ready to, that can lead to initially a lot of positivity in our lives, but we're still reacting. We're still kind of creating um, based off of something that is an imbalance. And so even if something can move us forward to a certain degree, 
Um, we really need to look at all of the contracts or, or the ones that come up um, to really see how we can move forward with a lot of freedom instead of basing our decisions in our lives um, off of kind of reacting to others. It's, I never thought of it that way, but it's it sounds like it's that idea of an agreement that's based on limit or moving my life forward through limit as opposed to moving my life forward through abundance or possibility or who knows what's next, curiosity. Yeah, and we're really talking about liberating. We're really talking about freedom. And so somebody who, um, I gave the example in the book of like a young boy who cannot, you know, climb the, the rope in gym class and his gym teacher makes fun of him. And so he gets into bodybuilding and CrossFit and, you know, uh, really making his physical body strong. But when he looks at that contract, he realizes that he's basically based his whole life off of, you know, this kind of not very good person. And yes, that propelled him forward, but it's like he should really do do that for himself. He should be healthy for himself. He should not be living his life based off of a contract from somebody who, who traumatized him, who, who created issues for him. And so it sounds like in releasing the contract or in in looking at it, bringing it into the conscious mind and then releasing it, he could keep the health, keep the strength, keep the whatever it is, that determination, but lose the limit. Yeah, lose the limit. And we also have to consider, you know, that I really consider the process of spiritual awakening, awakening of coming into our present day consciousness. And so if we have within us a 13-year-old that is still reacting and creating kind of this contract or this agreement, are we really wanting a 13-year-old to lead our lives when we're, you know, 40 or 50 or 25 or whatever is going on? No, we want to be making our own decisions, our own way in this world based on all that we've learned, based on who we are today, not based off of kind of like a a frozen inner 13-year-old who is upset at his gym teacher or something like that. So we, it sounds like we form energetic contracts based on things that other people tell us or things that we observe from others. What are some of the other kinds of contracts that we form? Well, we went over, we can have kind of a, a basic contract in which we want to um, emulate the behavior of somebody or we see something that we really like. You know, we really work through models, um, through seeing something outwardly. And so we might want to be exactly like somebody and create a contract based off of that. We can have a reactive contract as well, um, which is wherein we're going to do the opposite of something. But we can have these different levels of contracts too. So most commonly, um, we do have contracts as a result of our interaction with others. And so some of these are, are really significant and we don't really think about them. It's like if you have had a partner who said, you're never going to find somebody as good as me, you know, you might kind of be like, oh, that person was being harsh. But in some way, you may have taken on that contract and that might be inhibiting on an energetic level, you looking for for a new partner after getting out of that relationship. There are also contracts that we've taken on that have been passed down to us. For example, how many of our ancestors or how many people in our family lineage have gone through, you know, the Great Depression or have had issues with poverty, hunger, stuff like that. And 
them saying something like, I'm going to work myself to death or, you know, I'm going to never go hungry again, kind of the Scarlett (laughs) O'Hara, gone with the wind sort of thing, uh, that might initially seem like a good thing, but it involves a lot of fear. It involves a lot of anxiety. It involves specific patterns of relating, and those get passed down uh, genetically to us. and so those are kind of some of the, the basic forms of contracts. And some of them we, we're more conscious of than others. Um, but definitely, yeah, they're, they're a big deal. And, and really freeing ourselves from them can, can allow for so much space and for us to really kind of um, uh, become who, we, who we're really meant to be instead of just kind of being in this reactive place. So because these kind of fly under the radar m- most of the time, how can we start to become aware of the agreements that we carry, the contracts that we carry that are limiting us? The first way is to really notice what you are trying to convince the outer world of, um, as well as the sentences and beliefs that you repeat to yourself. And so some of these contracts we've created within ourselves as well. Um, and so if we constantly hear something repeating, like almost as if it's a loop or, you know, kind of an old fashioned tape playing again and again, that's coming up again and again for a reason. And it's because it, um, it's because it's something that isn't entirely valid. It isn't entirely true. Because if we know something on a subconscious level is true, we know that it's, you know, freeing. We know that it's healthy. We don't need to convince ourselves of it. We don't need to convince our, the outer world of it. So if we can look at these repetitive thoughts, if we can look at the ways in which we're kind of looping, which are repetitive behaviors or patterns of relating that we get into, we can really notice kind of what is holding ourselves back and what may be out of balance within us. Loops are in incredibly hard to break. How do we begin? We can see them and observe them. And at least I know in my work with clients that as we observe those patterns that go around, they can step out and then bang, those patterns sometimes come right back so that we can have the experience of getting out of them again. How do we stop those loops for good? Well, the first step is is awareness, is of noticing that loop. So when we're talking about a loop, it's something that's been created out of trauma, something that's been created out of imbalance. And so a loop isn't just one behavior. It's going to be kind of like, you know, two, three, four, five step process. You're going to notice multiple behaviors creating this sort of loop. Something's going to happen, which is going to set something else off, which is going to set something else off. And the more attention that we can bring to this and kind of name what those parts of the loops are, um, the more awareness we can bring is always good in understanding this loop. Um, And then we can start to act differently or kind of go into that witness state, which is what a lot of people call it, and and being like, okay, the first aspect of this loop is, um, like, I notice, um, you know, let's say somebody who gets migraines and they, this is five things happen to them until the migraine hits and then they track back the loop and they notice that the first thing that happens is that they start to feel really tired and start craving chocolate. So if they can kind of catch it in that stage, 
the rest of the loop may start to fall away. But the real answer, if we're going to kind of go to the ocean floor of things, of how to let go of these loops, is to understand the original trauma that created them. And so that's really part of the book, part of the body deva, is looking within, looking within the body and understanding all aspects of things, kind of the mind, body, spirit aspects of of that loop or whatever's going on with you to heal whatever created that loop. And it's by healing that inner child or that ancestral aspect or, or whatever's going on, even past life and, you know, all that sort of stuff that we can um, no longer have that loop once we heal that trauma. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, and my guest is Mary Mueller Shutan. Her new book is The Body Deva, Working with the Spiritual Consciousness of the Body. You can find out more about Mary and her work at maryshutan.com. That's Mary, S-H-U-T-A-N.com. So getting getting to a place where we understand, where we acknowledge the trauma that began this energetic contract in the first place, can we bring this to a choice, a place where we have a choice about we either release it or we hold it? Or does our awareness set it free? You know, in some cases, our awareness can set it free or can shift things. I do think that that is the first step. But I'm aware of plenty of my loops and, you know, some of them I'm still enacting. I'm like, oh, I'm in this, <laughs> I'm in this loop again, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So it really does take... Um, going to that original trauma level because what happens in trauma is that some aspect of ourselves was overwhelmed. They didn't get the nurturing or they didn't get um, kind of what they needed out of a situation. And so they're really looking for that aspect of ourselves that's traumatized sort of separates, it isolates, and it creates this loop because it's trying to get closure. It's trying to get its primary needs met, which it couldn't get met at the time. And so it really is by going to that sort of deep level that we can heal those loops. And so awareness is always a wonderful thing and that can shift some things, but it really um, uh, requires most of the time a bit more, a bit more digging. You write about how important it is to do release work compassionately. Can you talk about that? Because I think, at least for me, for myself, I tend to get the hatchet and go right in there and try to, let's get rid of the, we'll get rid of the loops and we'll get rid of the agreements. And that, at least for me, is not the best way. Why is it important to do it compassionately? You know, in our modern world, we so lack kind of emotional intelligence and like, you know, we look to spiritual communities and they're all about, you know, either not feeling anything at all or just feeling love and that being kind of the only acceptable emotion. And so what happens when we really accept our emotions, what happens when we really accept parts of ourselves that are, you know, they may be traumatized, they may be unwell, they may be really angry, you know, Um, if we can sit there and be like, okay, anger, I see you, okay, inner child, you know what, you have every reason in the world to feel really angry. That is what heals situations. It isn't by forcing them to, you know, get hugs or, you know, shift into this love state. It's really by accepting all aspects of ourselves, even if they're rather gnarly, (laughs) that 
we can uh, go into this phase of feeling love for ourselves and really accepting all aspects of ourselves because, you know, guess what? If we have an inner child that has been traumatized that isn't feeling heard or listened to that's about to throw a temper tantrum, uh, she's not going to heal by you saying, okay, you know, don't be angry anymore. I'm going to, you know, cut all this away from you and, you know, that sort of thing. That that means that our inner self isn't really being listened to. It isn't really being accepted. Um, and, yeah, so it's really going through and really sitting with and accepting all aspects of ourselves, all emotions. You know, our emotions are these really important messengers Um, And if we can really educate ourselves and become emotionally intelligent and understand the purpose of our emotions, if we can understand and really accept all aspects of ourselves, all emotions for kind of the divine messengers that they are, that we can come into this place of, you know, embodying love, embodying light, all of that sort of stuff. What brought you to write this book, to write The Body Deva? What inspired you to do this? You know, um, I've had a pretty long path and that's been, you know, (laughs) packed with varying educational opportunities. (laughs) Uh, And I've been a clinician for 15 years and in varying ways. And what I will say is that um, I've also been a meditation practitioner for a long time. And I'm mentioning that because uh, kind of the present moment consciousness sort of awareness is what's been popularized with meditation these days. But self-inquiry, which the body deva is, it's a method of looking within and really questioning our individual reasons for being. And what I began to notice in my own path is that we're much more complex than we give ourselves credit for. We have much more depth. And so when it especially comes to chronic or puzzling illnesses or just kind of blockages in our life or whatever may be going on that's out of balance in our lives is that we really need to understand how mind, body, and spirit come together. We really need to acknowledge our complexity. And so the simple answer for why I wrote this book is because I think that we can do so much work for ourselves And that self-inquiry as a form of meditation is a beautiful way of doing this. Um, And I do think that we do need outer healers and teachers and all of that sort of stuff. But we have so much opportunity to be empowered by really looking at ourselves with depth. And I didn't see anything else really on the marketplace that went to such a deep place. Um, And so a lot of times I kind of joke that I write books that I could have used on my own path. And so this definitely is um, really a consolidation of 15 years of education and study that was pretty intensive as well as working with clients so people can really be empowered by inquiring within and, you know, kind of looking within and really healing themselves. And there's a focus through the book, at least as I received it, on listening and understanding that you have access to the wisdom that you seek, that it doesn't come from, I don't know, the magical unicorn who frolics in with a message rolled up and is on his horn and you take and read the message, that when you listen and when you honor, the wisdom is there inside you. Exactly, yeah. And so... um 
you know, when we're talking about the body deva, what is it? It's really the consciousness or intelligence of the human physical form. And in our modern world, we sort of have lost spiritual skills and tools. And this is really teaching people how to turn back in, to turn back within, and to really begin to establish a relationship on a deep level with themselves. Now, for listeners who want to know more about your work, you have a popular blog, you teach online classes. I think there's something very cool happening at Joshua Tree soon. Can you let us know how we can find out more? Um, so I, right now I teach online courses, they're distance courses, and you can go to my website for those. And I also obviously have, have a variety of books out and all of them are, are focused really on spiritual skills and tools and understandings. And I'm very much, uh, I jokingly call it kind of a bottom of the ocean type of person because I really kind of lead people to kind of depth places, um, And so you can always visit my website um, and kind of check out what I'm offering as well as my blog or, you know, come on my Facebook page and say hi and all that sort of good stuff. Wonderful. And that website is maryshutan.com. You wrote a really interesting blog post about the way that, mm, the way that we talk about doing things and then don't actually do them. And that when we actually step forward in doing something, sometimes even if we get a little burned or it doesn't quite go as planned, that it is it can still be beneficial. There can still be beauty there. As I read that, I was thinking that that applies to what we're talking about, energetic contracts. If we're afraid to look, we miss the chance to really examine, really get to know, really connect in a in a healing way. Yeah, exactly. And so we... A lot of times in that blog, what I was also saying is that sometimes we don't, uh, in the book I talk about how to work with resistance and how to do so compassionately because typically when we feel resistance, we want to kind of slam our way or hatchet our way through it and that isn't um, how we, the the most beneficial way of working with resistance. It's really understanding that resistance is um, often a protective mechanism that we can really work with it compassionately and make pretty large changes in our lives. But in the blog, I was saying it's like kind of part of the path to burn your fingers a little bit. And, you know, if you expect that a little bit, you know, you can allow yourself to move forward in a way, you know, kind of despite the fear, despite that resistance saying um, the known right now it might be, you know, kind of a horrible known. We might be really uncomfortable. We might notice our imbalances, but we kind of know the edges of our universe. And so anything outside of that, any sort of growth or change, that's going to create fear. And so my, um, what I will say as a teacher is that what I notice with my students is those that really truly grow are those that allow themselves to actually do the work and to gradually sort of turn within and learn enough so they can um, be their own authorities, so they can really understand themselves on a deep level. Um, And it's by accepting change and kind of flowing with the nature of change and understanding that those burned fingers are part of the path that we can allow ourselves to change and grow and meet our potential in these really just wonderful ways. That is wonderful. Mary, thank you so much for being on the show. 
Thank you for having me. I went by quickly. <laughs> it, isn't that? It's like a rocket ride, isn't it? Um, that's Mary Mueller Shutan. Her new book is The Body Deva, Working with the Spiritual Consciousness of the Body. And you can find out more about Mary and her work. You can check out her blog and the online courses that she teaches at maryshutan.com. That's M-A-R-Y-S-H-U-T-A-N. Com. And of course, you are always welcome to head over to KarenHager.com, take a look at the upcoming classes and events that I've got going. You can even uh, sign up to have a private intuitive session with me if you are so inclined. I am passionate about helping people who think that their intuition is something that's a little bit odd, something that is only a little part of their life, but they're curious, they want to know more, but they might be a little bit afraid. I am passionate about helping people develop their intuition and use it in a way that's practical and clean and safe in every aspect of their lives. So there's more about the classes I teach and many ramblings about my philosophy at karenhager.com. And if you believe, as I do, that when we put our collective intention on peace that we can indeed change the world. I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. That's a free 15-minute guided meditation we meet live on the first Sunday of every month, and you can sign up and get details at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.